Just going to say, if uh, you are paying attention to that song, uh, you've already heard a pretty good message today, all right? And if you don't pay attention to anything I have to say, but you go home and process what you just sang, it's a win. So just putting it out there. Um, so this is the third message in a four-part series, so a very quick recap is appropriate. First week of the new year, I talked about measuring what matters. That's the title of the series. And I threw out three terms, confusion, illusion, and delusion. And my suggestion was that if you're measuring the wrong things when it comes to evaluating your spiritual life, uh, you can end up confused, you can have an illusion that you're doing worse than you are, or you can have a delusion that you're doing better than what you are. And my suggestion was that we look to find ways when it comes to our spiritual lives of making realistic assessment. Again, not good, bad, or otherwise, just understanding where you're at. Once you understand where you're at realistically, you can make a determination in terms of how to improve if that is, in fact, your motivate or your goal. And one of the things I threw out there is one of the measurements, not the only one, but one of the measurements that really matters is real, sustained, ongoing life change. And so that's what I wanted us to wrestle with that first week. Then last week, I threw out measuring what matters, and I encourage you to ask the question, am I a disciple? And just to help clarify, I threw out a couple of definitions. One, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to Jesus' kingdom mission. So in other words, following Jesus, seeking to become like him because I follow him. And again, I hope you pick up on that. Theoretically, we could follow him but not be changed by him. In other words, again, not picking on bake because most of you know I'm a big fan of church attendance. kind of been a thing for me, all right? But I can follow Jesus. I can go to church every Sunday, but nothing changes. So the, the, the key is here, excuse the stutter there, I don't know what that was all about, but the, the key is, is following him with an understanding that part of the reason I'm following him so that I will be changed by him. So following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and if I'm following Jesus and I'm being changed by Jesus, then it should become natural for me to be committed to the things that matter to Jesus or his kingdom mission. So again, a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to Jesus' kingdom ministry. Again, I will say this repeatedly today, uh, is doesn't mean you got it all figured out, but you're following Jesus, you're being changed by Jesus, and you're committed to joining Jesus in what he's looking to do in and through this world. Then another definition, a disciple is an intentional learner from Jesus. All right. Now, then we ask two questions. What is Jesus saying and what am I doing in response? Maybe you've had the experience, I know I certainly have, where someone was trying to teach me something. And apparently I wasn't getting it because at some point in time, they'll look at me with a great degree of frustration. Are you even listening to me? And and again, so if we're looking to learn from Jesus, then we need to grapple a bit. Well, what is he really saying? When we read scripture, sometimes we just need to stop 
and say, what's he saying? Not what's he saying about the story, but what's he saying to me? And then the key here is, remember the previous definition, following Jesus and being changed by Jesus and then joining him in his mission. What's he saying? And then the key is, what am I doing in response? Now, again, I've threatened to do this for a very long time, and I may eventually do it once, but actually do a sermon on how to listen to sermons. All right? All right. So here's a thought. Please understand, I'm not putting myself up there with Jesus. I know way better than that, all right? And so do you. But what if we went home, some of you may do this part, what in the world was he talking about today, all right? Maybe a better way to say it is, what was Jesus saying today through Pastor Steve? And what am I going to do in response? Just a thought, putting it out there. So a disciple is an intentional learner from Jesus. What is Jesus saying and what am I doing in response? And as a part of what I've said the last two weeks, I've been encouraging us to look at this whole issue of being a disciple as making a distinction between destination and direction. Some of us, especially as we've grown up in the church, we've come to view being a disciple as a destination. I take some classes, I read a couple of books, and the goal is to become a disciple, all right? That's awesome. But another way of looking that at that, which I've come to really be stretched by, is what if it's about direction? Am I, I mean, I may have taken all the classes, but I reached the last class and I built a cabin and camped out there for the rest of my life. We talked about last week some of the disciples that were following Jesus and when he began to offer difficult teaching that they didn't want to apply, See ya, you're going that way, I'm going this way. That's not the direction. My question was, are they still disciples if they're going the opposite direction of Jesus? Just a thought. So maybe somebody who's just really starting to figure it out, but just is following in the right direction, may be in a better place as a disciple than somebody who reached a destination and just, "Ah, I'm a disciple now, nothing more to do. So again, wrestling with this idea of destination and direction. What I want to do today is have you think about three different things. One is, are the things are rivers, reservoirs, and sponges. And I'm going to have us look at three images to help process this. Obviously, when I'm talking sponges today, I'm not talking about the living marine creature, but I'm talking about the dead ones that you uh, use around the house. All right? Nothing exciting about that other than they're pretty colors and I thought it might hold your attention for a moment. But anyway, um, but, but those kind of sponges, they just keep soaking in and soaking in and soaking in until eventually they become so saturated that they just can't absorb anymore. At that point, what has been absorbed, and some of you have an image of it, just a sopping wet sponge. And what has been absorbed begins to ooze out, but also just begins to evaporate and disappear. So that's sponges. Next on my list were reservoirs. Don't ask me what reservoir that is, because I didn't even look when I stole the picture. Uh, But some of you probably know, because you're way smarter than I am. Uh, But 
Our reservoirs most commonly are an enlarged natural or artificial lake, pond, or impoundment, according to the definition, created by using a dam or a lock to store water, which is then released gradually in a controlled fashion. So great image there. You look at it, got this huge dam, this great reservoir behind it, all kinds of cool stuff going on around the shoreline there and all that nice deep water. And then there's some water being released intentionally and sometimes strategically for very important reasons. Sometimes it's to control the water flow downstream so that everything gets what it needs. Sometimes it's to, they let water down so the reservoir doesn't get too full. All kinds of stuff with regard to that. So that's a reservoir. And then there are rivers. Now, anybody recognize that picture? Anybody? Really? That's the Kalamazoo River. Allegan, the high banks. <laughs> all right. So anyway, again, but doesn't look at all like the Kalamazoo River here in town, does it? A little bit different. So rivers often start out as a small trickle, sometimes a spring, seasonal rains, uh, melting snow in the mountains. And then as this trickle moves along, it connects with other trickles and small tributaries. Trickles become creeks, creeks become streams, small rivers, large rivers. This process continues with the water flowing or moving along as the flow continues to increase until it reaches a much larger body of water. And I know there are exceptions to this, but humor me. And then from that larger body of water, oftentimes there are additional outlets starting the process again. So some of you are just way ahead of me on this, but you know what's coming. Which one describes you spiritually as a disciple? Which one describes you? A sponge? At least you're soaking stuff up. A reservoir, you got a great storehouse and you let some out occasionally. Or a river, where it's just always flowing into you and through you. So the questions, am I a disciple, is an awesome question. But if you say yes, then you got to ask the next question which is, am I making disciples? Matthew chapter 28. And again, I know I've said this before, and I know that I will say it again. Back in the day, when our kids still lived in our home, even as they became young adults living in our home, if we were leaving for a period of time, we gave them incredibly detailed instructions on how to deal with every possible situation that may ever arise and then who to call if we left something off the list. Maybe your boss does that to you, not because you're a child, but because they want to make sure it gets done the way it needs to be. The passage of Scripture I'm going to have us look at, Jesus is leaving. He's going to be with God, which is a good thing. But he wants to leave some instructions behind. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. 
then the 11 disciples. Now, again, who are we talking here? The 11 disciples, all right? These are the people that have been with Jesus for going on three years, just soaking in as much as they possibly can. These folks had front row seats. They were taking the advanced class of discipleship, all right? They've been through all the crucifixion, the resurrection, and they, they're just, their heads have to be swirling. So Jesus is getting ready, and it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So again, risen Jesus says, Meet me here. Okay, we're going to be there. All right? Don't know what's going to happen. Verse 17, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, I got this. Verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I, I tried to slow down, read that slow. In case you didn't know, that's why typically I put stuff up there, not to give you an excuse not to open your Bible, because if I read from my Bible, I tend to go really, really fast. That forces me to slow down a little bit. All right. So what he did not say, I, and I again, you were paying attention. I could tell. Didn't see any heads nodding or bobbing. Uh, when he said what he said there in Matthew 28, he did not say, if you want to. I didn't see that anywhere. Nowhere does it say, if, if you think it's a good idea, maybe you should consider doing this. He did not say, hear me well, we use this at church a lot because we got it all figured out. He did not say, if you have the gift of teaching, then I think this is a good idea for you. He did not say, when you've got it all figured out, didn't say that. What did it say? These are the 11, folks. These are the 11 who have been the closest to Jesus this whole process. And when he showed up on the mountain that day and they worshipped him, what did it say? But some doubted. These are the 11. And there's not sure. Some doubted. He didn't say when you got it all figured out. He didn't say... When you've completed your seminary degree. Can, can I just, can I just take a rabbit trail? Alright. I've been in pastoral ministry for 40 years. Alright. And change. Just yesterday, somebody asked me where I went to seminary. And I still feel like I have to apologize because I didn't go to seminary. It's like, really, Steve, are, are you embarrassed now after all these years you didn't go to seminary? It's like, have I not helped you do what you need to do? I'm not bashing seminary. I'm saying, really? But he said, he didn't say anything about that. He didn't say in Matthew chapter 28, when you've been following me for decades, didn't say that. What did he say? Therefore, go make disciples. Really? Therefore, go make disciples. It's interesting. 
because sometimes, not, not us, because we're, we're, we're way beyond this, but, but sometimes church folks, when we read that, will say, therefore go make disciples of all nations, and we immediately jump ahead to missions. Oh yeah, yeah, we gotta send missionaries. I'm not bashing missions, I'm not bashing missionaries, I'm not saying we shouldn't send missionaries. But first, he says, therefore, go make disciples. Sure, we'll deal with all nations. But he says, therefore, go make disciples. And of the 11 people there, he didn't give any of them them a pass. Well, go make disciples, everybody except for Greg, because, you know, it's Greg. I mean, really. He, He didn't say that. He said, therefore, go make disciples. I know some of you, your heads are spinning. Then... What he did say is he unpacked what that looked like. Talks about baptizing them. And to me, that's a reminder of establishing them. As we go make disciples, we're establishing them in their faith. And then it goes on and it talks about growing them in their understanding and application. All right. Help them understand it and then teaching them and then help them obey it. So therefore, go make disciples, help them get established in their faith. And again, he's saying this to people who still have doubts. You got that? Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey what I've said to you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We're in this together. You're never alone in the process. Another passage of Scripture that to me is appropriate in the context of this conversation. Ephesians chapter 4 says, So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And again, we all have different skill sets, abilities. Like I said, some of us have lots of experience, and, and that's awesome. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body may be built up. And to me, that's saying the whole process, all this other stuff, the church leaders, those who have prophetic messages, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, their mission Their calling is to prepare everybody else to therefore go and make disciples. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ... And again, if you think I'm reading this and not feeling convicted as a pastor teacher, you're sorely wrong, because I am. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. So as the pastors, as the prophets, as the apostles, as the evangelists do their stuff and equip the rest of us, all of us, for works of service so that the body may be built up, then we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as what? As each part does its work. 
And again, the question today, am I making disciples? Just a thought for you. Destination versus direction. Can I just say this? If being a disciple is about a destination, then by default you cannot start making disciples until you've reached the destination. All right? But if being a disciple is about direction, then perhaps we should start making disciples as soon as we're moving in the direction of Christ. Kind of something to think about. It's funny, this morning as I was going over my notes, let me look at the clock. This morning as I was going over my notes, and I got to that point, and and I thought about John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, the disciples are making a trip, and there's a shortcut through Samaria. Now, the disciples are Jews, and the Jews and the Samaritans did get along, but it was a shortcut. Normally, good Jews would literally go out and around Samaria rather than go through Samaria. But Jesus said, no, let's, let's take the direct route. He had a plan. So they come to this well, and the disciples run off to get something to eat because they're out in the bronies, and this Samaritan woman comes to the well. Now, Jews did not talk to Samaritans, and Jewish men rarely are going to talk to a Jewish woman in a context like that. So this Samaritan woman comes to the well, and Jesus engages her in conversation. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but Jesus engages her in conversation. She's made up some poor choices. Jesus talks to her about her poor choices, uh, and he offers her, keeping with rivers, reservoirs, and sponges, Jesus offers her living water. She's there to gather water from the well, and Jesus says, i got something better than that. I've got living water. She said, hey, I'll take some of that so I don't have to come to the well every day. Totally biffed it. You know, you ever had that experience? Jesus is saying something that's just right over your head. But he, you know, he, he helps her to understand it. And this woman who just met Jesus, and he's making her head explode. When we talk about making disciples when we're moving in the right direction, She just met Jesus. He speaks into her life. And what does she do? She runs into town. And again, she had a bad reputation. She was one of those girls. She went into town and she tells people, I just met this guy and there's something special about him. And you know what happened? As she's moving in the direction of Jesus, lots of folks from town followed her in the direction of Jesus and had their lives changed for all of eternity. This woman hadn't even taken disciple-making 101, but yet somehow she's making a difference. Again, I'm giving you questions today. I'm not giving you answers. And you're saying, what's new? But anyway, I want you to think for a moment. Ask yourself the question, who shaped my life spiritually? And I encourage you to make a list. Not right now, but spend some time over the next few days reflecting back 
and thinking about who has shaped your life spiritually. And just as a side note, if you haven't lately, you may want to thank them. Now, let me say that. Don't everybody feel like you need to text or email me. I, I'm thrilled that I had a chance to speak in your life. I love you. I, I, that's awesome. But, but dig a little bit deeper. You know, we're at church to give the Jesus answer. If Jesus isn't in it, God's not in it, maybe it's Pastor Steve. I don't know. Uh, but, but just, just reflect back and think about who shaped your life spiritually. But then take the next step and ask the question, how did they do it? How did they do it? It's interesting, as I started working through this process for myself, I, thinking of people work was really easy. And, and the more I thought, the deeper I got, and I'm checking stuff off. And then I thought, how did they do it? And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But for my experience, a lot of times it was, here's a book, read it. Now, for me, that happened to work because I'm kind of a book guy, more so than a people guy, all right? Here's a book, read it. Sometimes it's, we're having a class, come to it. When I began to, to grow in my faith, it was, here's a book, teach a class on it. And, and that was kind of how it went for me. And, and can I just throw this out there? It's important to understand that because... Without under, without realizing it, if we're going to disciple others, it's probably going to, default is going to be the way we were discipled. And it may or may not have been effective. I know some people were discipled by campus ministry and where it's, you know, there's just all kinds of intense uh, one-on-one contact and, and study and accountability. And, and that's awesome stuff. But if that's not how you were discipled, that's not going to be your default option. Just understand it. And again, in my case, Looking back, my default option probably wasn't the best one. I probably could have done a lot better if somebody had sat me down and really talked to me and held my feet to the fire a little more often than read this book. Which, again, in keeping with the context of the message, the next question, you should probably there. Who's being shaped by me? Who's being shaped by me? Ask yourself that. Right now, this season of your life, who's being shaped by me? Make a list and ask yourself the question, how am I doing? How am I doing it? If I'm discipling someone and understand maybe it's just influencing them, you may not be having a Discipleship 101 class, but you may be influencing somebody. What are you doing? And I probably should have told you this beginning. My objective today is to focus on just changing your mindset from being a disciple to becoming a disciple maker. We'll unpack and get into more of the mechanics another time. But for now, suffice it to say, whatever you are doing to move in the direction of Christ, what might happen if you just invited someone to do it with you? Doing a Bible reading plan? Hey, I'm reading the U version, this Bible reading plan. Why don't you read it too, and we'll talk once in a while about it. It'd be awesome if we were much more disciplined than that, but hey, got to start somewhere. Whatever you're doing, invite someone to do it with you. And, and again, I normally, you can be comfortable with this, 
normally I don't talk about people if they're not here. All right. And I'm not going to talk about something about you or someone who's not here if it may possibly make them like look like anything other than all-stars. But if I'm going to talk about somebody that's not here and make them look like an all-star, I'm going to take some liberty. And as I was thinking about this whole idea of shaping other people's lives, I thought about two of the men in our church who are among the least outspoken that I can think of. And I, I know he's outspoken in the right context, but I thought about D.L. Patton. Now, again, you understand, my hearing's not what it used to be. When D.L.'s talking, i got to get close. All right, he's just quiet. He wears a mask sometimes, and I, I just have to really lean in. But I thought about our Band of Brothers men's meeting. And I thought, I don't know that I've been to a Band of Brothers meeting where D.L. didn't have a guest with him. And they're not even people from our church. What's up with that? And and I, I know from conversations I've had with both of them, they view their business, Star Fitness, as a mission field. And a part of that influencing people's lives and perhaps, I know at least one of the people attends another church, a couple of them never attend church anywhere, and somehow, just in a very subtle, comfortable way, here's something I'm doing to move in the direction of Christ. Maybe I will invite someone with me. And the other one is, I haven't seen him pull out, the other one's sitting out in the parking lot right now. And it's Mike Hollenbaugh. Same deal. Mike invited his neighbor to the men's group. And continues to invite his neighbor to the men's group. And that connection has continued. His neighbor attends another church, but enjoys what he gets here from the men's group. And as if that's not enough, this just made my head explode. All right. You know, any of you ever find it awkward to invite somebody to church? I mean, some people do. Sometimes I find it uncomfortable. Thanks, Pat, for being honest. Um, But Mike and Lori, on Christmas Eve, invited their friends to come to Christmas Eve with them. Did anybody see them here? Can you imagine inviting somebody... Will you come to church with me? We're going to sit in our truck and listen on the radio. Y'all come with me. What? I mean, it's COVID, so I get it. But I, I thought, you know what? In his own simple Mike way, he's saying, I'm going in this direction. You want to come with me? You want to come? Now, if, if I had said we could put Mike in a list of top disciple makers in our church, you might have given me a sideways glance. Not because you don't love Mike, but that's just his personality. But again, I'm going, and Mike will be the first one to say, I don't have this all figured out yet, but I'm moving. Come with me.
the Apostle Paul just put it this way. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to follow him. Why don't you follow me and maybe we'll get there together. I, I love that. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And then elsewhere in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he put it this way. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. <laughs> wow. You know what? I'm trying to follow Jesus. Why don't you just imitate me? Ooh. You know, to me, that's kind of a, wow. I might, you know, it's like, if you don't have Google Maps and you're going somewhere you don't know where you're going and you say, follow me, <laughs> kind of unsettling. Paul says, you know what? I'm following Jesus. Follow me, imitate me, and we'll follow Jesus together. Am I making disciples? <clears throat> there are some areas of our faith journey where it's appropriate to say, Ask the question, does God want me to do this? That's an appropriate question to ask. Is is this something God wants me to do? Uh, It's appropriate to ask that with regard to to relationships. Does God want me to to develop a relationship with this person? Areas of service. You know, if I ask you to do some ministry, Cheryl asks you to to lead or serve somewhere, it's appropriate to, to ask the question, not to make excuses, but just say, does God want me to do this? That's awesome. And with regard to our vocation or our recreation or our finances, you know, does God want me to, to do this? Time commitments before you lock into, you know, yes, I'll do this and I'll be there hours and hours. Is this something that God wants me to do? However, and this is just my opinion, take it for what it's worth. If we're a disciple, then I don't think that question applies when it comes to participating in the process of disciple-making. I don't see any parenthetical statements in the Great Commission. Therefore, go make disciples. Now again, I will tell you, this is incredibly uncomfortable for me. Because I know I could do way more and way better. But I'm not going to do way more and way better unless I start somewhere. And that's true for all of us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. And I thank you for motivating me to share what you put on my heart. Even if at times I feel like I'm saying, do as I say, not as I do. But really what I'm saying is, do what the Bible says. Do what Jesus asks. And figure it out and apply it to your own selves. So, Father, I pray that you would stir in our hearts. I pray that you've already stirred in our hearts. I pray that we would spend some time reflecting about the folks who shaped our lives, and we would perhaps really enrich their lives by affirming the role that they've played.
And Father, I pray that you would help us not to be too harsh with ourselves, but that we would look around and realize, you know what, we are, we are influencing people. But that we would also renew our commitment to continue to influence people. Uh, to where at some point in time we can look back and say, yes, I'm a disciple, and yes, I am making disciples. And just one step at a time. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, before or as the worship team makes or before the worship team makes their way up here uh, we have a special visitor and I didn't see them until I got started so Ashley would you just I'm not going to have you I, you know what I will have you come up here but I'm not going to get close to you alright so sorry no warning there um, you don't need to put your mask on you just come up here oh yeah just come up here I'm sorry I'm going to do it that way but I'll put mine on before I get down alright So Ashley has a brand new addition to her family, and I normally I do the do the baby show off. She's doing the baby show off. All right. And Ashley, I'm afraid I'll get it wrong, but will you tell us her name nice and loud? Aria Grace. Aria. All right, so Aria Grace, and apparently I didn't get the uh, red plaid memo like Pat did, uh, but I'll work on that in the future. So, and this is Avery, big sister, right? And Athena, the other big sister's in the down the hall. Awesome. So, thank you very much. So let's let's celebrate. Name one more time. Aria. Aria. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Greg.